Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord. While you remain standing, let's look at uh, Job chapter 42. I'm beginning at verse 12. Job 42, beginning at verse 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version tonight. Job 42, beginning at verse 12. So good. Thank you so much, Brother Junior, for stepping in for us tonight. Appreciate you stepping in. Amen. Minister Lamont is under the weather, and so we keep him in our prayers tonight. And uh, so good to have you here. And Leroy, good to see you on the drums. Amen. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jimna, the second Kiziah, and named the third Karen Kapuk. And in all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may take your seats tonight. Amen. Amen. What a, what a blessing. What a blessing. 140 years. That's no short timer there. What's interesting about this text tonight, and we pick up the topic that we raised last Tuesday, and it's called Favor in the Aftermath. This is part two, Favor in the Aftermath, part two. What's interesting about this, uh, this topic here is this is a part of the recovery section here. This section here is the part where Job uh, has God restore for him a lot of that which he lost. And at first glance, it's, it's great shouting material. As a matter of fact, I get, I get excited when I read it. But there's also a reality check that is in this text that most of us gloss over. And I think we lose something by not reading it clearly. Um, it's joyous. It's happy. God blesses him. God gives him a long life. I mean, you know, you, who, who can be upset with that? God, God really does something spectacular there. That's, that's happiness. I mean, God, God gives him children. Uh, God gives him uh, land, his animals back again. Uh, all that stuff, God just really just blesses him abundantly. And, and on the surface, that's great. Matter of fact, God adds to his years. I mean, you know, just think about it. Hezekiah, when he prayed, God gave him 14 years. God added to his life, you know, life upon life, 14 more years. Woo, glory. But just think now, Job prays, and he finishes up, and the Bible says he lived another 140 years. Make Hezekiah's 14 years look pretty puny. God gave him 140 years, four generations he got to watch grow up. Got to see his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and folk running around playing and having children, and babies making new babies. Four generations. 
God blessed him. He caused him to be fruitful and prosper. Now you got to think about it. Think about it. Be real, real, real honest about it. Considering how sick Joe was, the fact that he had any children later on in life is, is amazing. Talk about an immaculate conception. Bro was old when he started over. Uh, you know, he, he, he might have had one of them Caleb testimonies. As my strength was then, so too is it now. Those of you not Bible scholars missed that one. I mean, bro was in full strength. God blessed him. He ended up with a bunch of children. Now that's great. It's exciting. It's wonderful. I'm excited about it. But the reality check is when you think about it just a little bit deeper, there are three things that I really want to kind of, I, I want to I prick your consciousness with. Because there are things that, that you really need to realize. And I think it's going to help you if, if, if these, uh, these travelers, these Israelites, wanted to teach us any lessons, these three lessons would have been a part of what they wanted to say. And the first thing I think they would want to tell us is that some things can't be removed, but they can be reset. Some things can't be removed, but they can be reset. I just want you to leave that on the screen for a moment because you need to get that in your spirit. Some things can't be removed, but they can be reset. In integrity, with integrity, we all have to mention the fact that Job has suffered loss. You can't tell me the death of his children is something you can remove. More children doesn't take that away. They're, they're, Job had been worried about them. If you read Job chapter 1 real close, it says that Job was concerned for them that when they had parties and celebrations and they were doing things, after they were finished, Job would bring them to his house and he would offer sacrifice to God on their behalf and pray over them lest they had offended the Lord during their celebration. He, he cared about them. Come on over to my house. I know you were celebrating. I know you were out. You all had a good time. I'm glad you had a good time. But I need to pray over you. I'm all my life. I remember mama praying over me. Let me pray over you. I was a grown man. Mama's still praying over me. So that heart concern doesn't stop after they get grown, even if they're in their own houses. And the way Job 1 works, if you look at it, everybody had their own place. And it was when they were coming together for festival and celebration of birthdays and holidays that they were under one roof, and after which they had to come to daddy's house, and daddy wanted to pray over them and offer up a, a prayer before God and a sacrifice. God, if they've done anything that's out of your will, we pray for your forgiveness. This is a righteous family. This is a holy family. I, I want to tell this to some parents sitting here. The truth is, you can't control what your children do. The only thing you can control is what you pray about. 
You can't control what they do. Job gave up on controlling what they were going to do. He didn't even ask what happened at the party, what was going on, who, had, who drank ale, who drank wine, what was happening there, was anybody there that shouldn't have been there, any company that shouldn't have been there. He didn't go into all that. He didn't go, did y'all behave seemingly or unseemingly towards the servants that were there? Were you kind? Were you loving? He didn't go into all that. He said, come here, let me pray for you. There are some things that are out of your control when people are out of your sight. There are some things that are out of your control when they're out of your house. And one of the bad things about society is we have a tendency to want to make people feel as though they got to be responsible for everything other folk do when they're not in my presence. I can't control them. You can't, you don't have that power. It's not in your gifting. I wish I could. You know, I, I'm telling you the truth. I told my son a long time ago, if the Lord didn't call him, I would. You can't control people. Hello? God is in control, and people make choices. <clears throat> now, now, Job, if you think about it well enough, Job loses his children. No, no sin on them. Don't, don't miss this now. Not that they caused it to happen. Not that it was their fault. No, the house caved in. And they were under the roof, and they died. Job loses his children. He loses his animals. His wealth is gone. None of that, no matter what you say, can make up for what took place. What God does here is he gives Job a hard reset. He said, okay, son, I want you to do this. You've got these three people who have been in your life. They've not spoken to you correctly. I want you to bring them in. I want you to talk to them. I'm going to talk to them first. I'm going to tell them what they did to you was not of me. I'm going to explain to them that what you were going through was because I suffered it to be so. And when I finish explaining it to them, I want you to be gracious enough. I want you to be forgiving enough to forgive them, to pray for them. And when you finish praying for them, I'm going to restore and bless them. And I'm also going to bless you. But I need you to get a reset here. And we're going to start the reset by first me straightening you out that I'm still God and providence is still providence and I still get to make the decisions even if you don't like the outcome. I'm going to let you be straightened out to understand that since I'm God and since I get to make choices and since you live in a world that I've created, you have to deal with what you need to deal with. Now, Job, when I finish this, I want you to pray for them and then we can start your recovery. Here's the reset. We're going back to zero. Slate's clean with man. Slate's clean with God. And the devil can't touch you. Your hedge is now restored. Y'all missed it. Went over your head. Your hedge is now restored. 
For the next 140 years, you don't hear anything about any of his children coming under calamity. For the next 140 years, you don't hear anything about Job's health getting bad. For the next 140 years, you don't hear nothing about Job having another problem with a case of boils. For the next 140 years, you have nothing about him needing to stick his head in the sand or throw dust into the air. For the next 140 years, nothing happens to him. The hedge is back around his life. The touching of the enemy has now ceased. It's a reset. And, and, and I just, I need to say this. I thank God that God can reset our lives. <laughs> Sometimes I don't need to just be restored. I need to be reset. I need to be reset. I need God to, to put me in a place where we can just start it over again. I want to pick up new. I want old things to be, well, let me, since y'all looking at me like you ain't get, got this in, why do you think the new birth process is there? So that old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. If any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is what? A new creature. He, he says, I've given you a reset on your past. I'm giving you a reset in your life. I'm giving you a reset so that you can start fresh. The old account is settled. Everything that was is no more. And what is to come is what I'm going to bless you with and give you and do for you. I'm getting excited right now. Thank you, God, for the reset. I, need, I, I don't know about you, but every now and then I need to go and ask God to give me that reset. I bless your name because, because sometimes i got some things I need to shake off and put behind me. i got some stuff I've been going through. I need to get away from it. I just need a reset. And, 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 and here it is. Some things can't be removed, but they can be reset. What happened does not change, but he's got to reset. The past is still the past. And, and, and if that is the case, and I know it is, then the, the, the second thing, the second major lesson in here is like unto the first lesson I just gave. And, and, and so write this one down. Some things can't be restored, but they can be replaced. Some things can't be restored, but they can be replaced. I need to hold on to that for a moment. Some things can't be restored but they can be replaced. Just think about it. God was not going to resurrect those children, nor was he going to resurrect those animals. They were gone. 
whether it's from a collapsed building or fire or from the enemy coming in from without and tearing things up, those things were gone. They were gone. And, and, and one of the problems with believers is that we don't know when to let go of what's not coming back. Let me do that again. One of the problems with believers is we don't know when to let go of what's not coming back. That's gone. It's not coming back. And because you can't let that go, you can't get what God has for a replacement for what used to be. You're still holding on to that which is the past. So you can't live in your present, nor can you line yourself up for destiny and your future. There are things that you've got to realize that are not going to be fixed. I don't know about you, you know, uh, I, I've been through this several times. I, I, you know, I, um, my wife and I, we had a, a, a stovetop, and man, it was a good stovetop too. We, we, so we had a stovetop, we, we went and we got, uh, the stovetop started giving her trouble, and so she was down, there's a six burner, six uh, electric stovetop, six, six eyes on there. So we got down to four, there were four eyes working. That girl can burn on four eyes. She's working good. She's working good. She's working it. So called up uh, Key Supply and said, uh, look here, uh, got a couple of eyes out. And that was a few years ago. They sent a technician out. They went out. Dude came in, bought some new components, put it back together again. Six eyes again. About a year or so later, she was down to two eyes. I'm going to tell y'all now, that girl cooked Thanksgiving dinner with two eyes. There were just two electric pots going. That child had crock pots going and the oven going. She made it work. Two eyes going. The kids were looking at me like, you know, Dad, you really kind of got to do something about this. So I, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. So I called Keith again. They came out there. This time they look at me and said, look, we told you last time. I don't know, but I didn't hear them. They don't make parts for this anymore. Matter of fact, they don't even make this up anymore. <laughs> you got to get a new. So I said, well, can you fix it up a little bit? No, oh, Reverend, we can't do nothing with this. Now, here's the worst part about it. I kind of halfway knew, but I didn't know, no. But it cost me $65 to find out what I should have known, that it was over, because they charged me to come back and tell me again. The 
man won't tell you now. Until we take this one out and put a new one in, you have a choice. You can function with two eyes or get it back to what you want. Now, I'm going to tell you something, y'all. You've got to realize there are too many times in our lives when we would rather function crippled than to release something because to release it's going to cost us something. Y'all missed it? I know it went over your head. Let me go back again. See, to let that go meant that I had to pay for someone to take it out. I had to get the counter back fixed again. I had to get the right size to go in the hole. It wasn't just no small operation. It wasn't like I could just do a plug and play. It doesn't work that way. It was going to cost something. And I want to tell you all this. Sometimes we don't let go of stuff because of what we think is going to cost us. Teach, Bishop, I'm trying. I don't want to give up that memory. I don't want to give up that thing. And you're still holding on to it so tightly that God can't heal you. He can't release you. He can't bring you into something better for your present time right now. So you're holding on to something because you know it costs something to let go of it. Hmm. I had to learn the hard way. And what I want to share with you is this. Even though it can't be restored, it can be replaced. And, and let me tell you, what ultimately came was better than what had been. Y'all missed it, y'all missed it, y'all missed it, y'all missed it. What, what ultimately came was better than what, what you didn't get that. The, the, old, uh, the old electric top was a regular electric top. The new electric top is induction. You can put your hand on it and your hand won't burn. Y'all missed it. Listen, the old electric top had to heat up water. It'd take you a little while to get the water warm. The new electric top put the, top, the pot on top and the eggs are already boiling. So you, you missed it. You can hold on to it or you can let it go. At some point, you've got to allow God to replace your hurt with his healing. Boy, this is a good teaching in here tonight. At some point, you've got to say, God, you can replace this. I, I don't need any more. I'm not carrying this hurt no more. I'm not carrying this guilt anymore. I'm not carrying this confusion anymore. I'm not carrying this upsetment anymore. God, I thank you for replacing it now. God, I give it in your hands. I'm giving you permission to be God. I've already walked away from it. I've already forgiven everybody, forgiven everything. I've released it out of my spirit because I'm ready for my replacement. 
I thank you right now, Lord. My old marriage is over, but the new marriage is coming in. This marriage now is going to be different. We may look like the same people, but we're going to act in a whole different manner. Just like you make all things new, make this relationship new again. I thank you for the replacement. I don't want what we used to have. I want something better. God, I thank you for the replacement. I, glory to God. See, God, God has a replacement. See, see sometimes, sometime, let, me, let me help you here. You know, when, you, when you've made mistakes in your past, the one thing you, you end up doing is dwelling on them. The more saved you get, the more holy you get, the more you think about what you did wrong. Now, guilt serves a purpose when it leads to righteousness. But guilt for guilt's sake becomes demonic when it leads to oppression. Grief serves a purpose when it gives us an emotional outlet. But grief for grief's sake leads to depression. At some point, you've got to release it so God can replace it. And until you do, you don't get to walk in the joy. It's interesting. It's interesting. God will replace it. It's, did you see what, what the text says? I, I thought the text was interesting. I want to go back here a little bit. Now, in, in Job 1, here's what Job 1 says. Job 1, um, if you go down to verse 2, uh, two, three in Job one, Job one, verse two and verse three, he says, and 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 he has seven sons, and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were uh, seven thousand sheep, three thousand camel, five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred female donkeys and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Whew, that's good. That's a good little setup right there. Homeboy, homeboy was doing pretty good right there. Pretty good, pretty good. I, I, he was living fat. But notice the change here. Uh, verse 12 in chapter 42. Go back to chapter 42. I said it was 7,000 sheep. So verse 12 says, now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning, for he had now 14,000 sheep. Look at somebody said, double up God. Thank you, Lord. He had 3,000 uh, uh, camels, and now it says 6,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen before. This text said he had 1,000 yoke of oxen. He had 500 female donkeys before. This text says he has 1,000 female donkeys. Now here's where it gets a little funky, a little interesting. Watch this. He also had, what? Seven sons. And how many? Three little girls. God said, I'm man of God, 
I'm getting ready to bless you. Now notice now, notice now, he had seven sons before and three daughters before, and God gave him back seven sons, three daughters. Now I told you, 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 you don't get away from what already is gone. You still carry that hurt. I do believe that God has a way of adding to our lives, whether biologically or spiritually, so that there's someone for us to love. Because one of our greatest needs is to love and be loved. Look at somebody now, say, neighbor, don't reject God's gift of family, no matter how it comes. Once. Okay, okay, okay. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who, but y'all stay with me for a minute. And notice how he loved on these girls. This, this, for those of you who don't know, this, um, this section of Job is the female equality section of the Bible. In case you haven't read it that way, I want you to read it now. This is the female empowerment section. And it's a very important section for you to understand as female empowerment. And you, even if you understood Job as myth and not, not practical or historical, I don't care how you want to understand it, if you thought of it as myth, and I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to believe that, you have to know then that the writers or the Israelites were trying to say something really powerful in the next verse. If you think of it as historical, you've got to know that the writers and God were trying to say something. What do you mean, Reverend? I'm trying to tell you, this means something. He had seven big head nappy boys, and not one of them is named. Did you notice that? Didn't name one of them big head rascals. Didn't call him Job Jr. or Trey Job or Quad Job. <laughs> you know how George Foreman did all his kids named George, even girls. George 1, George 2, George 3, the 4. But these girls, look at the text. He called the name of the first one Gemma. You know what Gemma means? It means dove. So the first one is little dove. Y'all, I could preach all night right now. Y'all ain't. He named the second one Kizia. And the third one he named Karin Hapop. Wait a minute. And then he said, the text says, these girls were so fine that in all the world were no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. God not only gave him daughters, but gave him fine daughters. I don't know their standards of beauty back then, but it, in any case, based on the pickings that were there, they were the cream of the crop. Y'all not helping me. I'm, this Bible study, I'm trying to help you out here. Just work with me. Junior, tell them to work with me. I'm trying to help them out here. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Junior. I appreciate it. And, but what is interesting, and here's the empowerment. Watch this, watch this. 
they were beautiful. And then it says, and their fathers gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Now, this is important. The issue of the double portion relates to the inheritance that the eldest son usually received the double portion of the inheritance and then everyone else had it distributed out, meeting what was left. The text here does not talk to an eldest son getting a larger portion inheritance. Instead, the text flips it upside down. It doesn't talk about any of the portion given out to the boys. Instead, it empowers the girls saying they got equal to what the men received. Somebody say, teach, Bishop. It's important you get this because there's an equality in God's system that may not line up with man's system. Sometimes men can become patriarchal and think that we all that in a bag of chips and that we running everything, but God's system is a little different. God says, I'm blessing all y'all. All of you are part of the replacement to my son. All of you are part of the blessing." Last part, last part. I'm done after this. I'm done after this. Now, the first part was some things can't be removed, but they can be re reset. Some things can't be restored, but they can be replaced. And number three, some things can't be replaced, but they can be remembered. But they can be remembered. Now, now it's important that you understand something here that in all of Job's life, there's nothing in here that says he ever had to forget about what took place or forget about his children. No. What God did was God restored him and God replaced the things that, were, that he had lost. But Job could remember those children he could remember what God had done in his life. And what you've got to understand is that God wants you to know. God wants you to remember. And the text gives us this historical record to remind us of the remembrance because here we see that Job not only lived 140 years and he saw children and grandchildren for four generations, but then the text closes it out by saying he was old and full of days. In other words, God not only gave him a restored life, but a full life. A full life. A full life. Now, you, you missed it because I know it went over your head, so let me make it clear. When you don't have your memory, it's hard to have a full life. A part of having a full life is to be able to enjoy all that you have experienced because we are the sum total of our life memories. So God has blessed us with those precious memories that we used to sing, how they linger, how they ever flood my soul in the stillness of the midnight sacred secrets seem to unfold. What I've got to know is that the memory of the just is blessed. And so a part of having a full life was keeping hold of those good memories of what 
what took place and all those times of joy and even the times of sorrow. God doesn't take that away from him. But what God does is say, that's not all you are. You're not all just pain, but you're also pleasure. You're not all just trial, but you're also triumph. You're not all just tragedy, but you're also a person who can stand and say, I stood the test and God bless me. You're not all just down, but you can stand and say, God picked me up when I was down and lifted me to higher ground. You're not always feeling the best, but the memory of how God blessed you in the middle of your mess keeps you going and lets you know that the Lord will provide. But even when it doesn't look good, God is still good. Come on, let's give God a praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's favor, y'all. I, I, I had one other little thing, just whisper this person there, say, neighbor, there's nothing in the text that says that Job was the firstborn. So